this man right here thinks I'm his all. He will go to the ends of the earth for me. And he never stops to let me know that. And he shows me every single day. And the fact that, the, that he loves me so much is just so amazing to me. Um, I think that's my favorite part. Hey, y'all. I'm Jen. I'm a daughter, a sister, an auntie, a niece, a cousin, and a friend. And I love pineapples on pizza, spending all day in Disneyland, shopping for bargains on Amazon, and all things literacy. I'm a Jesus girl. I love people, and I love hearing their stories. In fact, that's what I'm doing here, sharing stories with powerful lessons to encourage us, empower us to keep moving forward, and to remind us that God has our back. I can't wait for you to hear these stories. Why don't you go ahead and join us for a story worth living? Fam, let me just tell you that there's something to be said about reaching a crossroads in your life that sets you up for something new. It kind of reminds me of this dude in the Old Testament named Jacob, who was in a bit of trouble with his brother. See, he had most recently gotten himself tangled up in a scenario, something that he apparently thought was cool at first, but he didn't really think it through because he ended up with what he started out to get. And that is what belonged to his brother. Yet somehow the scenario didn't really age well, because after discovering what he'd done, Jacob's brother saw no other remedy for the situation than to take Jacob's life. And Jacob, seeing that his life was in danger, um, realized that he was really in a pickle. And he was advised by his mom to take off for a while to allow his brother's fury to cool off. So Jacob followed that advice and he left the only home that he'd ever known, setting out for the unknown. You know, I imagine that along the way he got to thinking, you know, about what he had done, maybe about whether or not that was the person that he wanted to be. I feel like he tried to figure out what his future would be, especially since he felt like he had screwed up the present. And I bet he may have come up with nothing and probably felt really insecure and really alone until God showed up to remind him that he had plans for his life, that he was with Jacob and that those plans would indeed work out. There was so much grace for Jacob in that moment. And when he finally reached a town, he encountered this woman who immediately threw him for a loop. I mean, he was gobsmacked. And if that's a new word for you, it simply means utterly astonished. He immediately knew that he wanted to marry her. Now, I'm not making a one-to-one -one correlation with today's featured storytellers with this excerpt from Jacob's story. I, I'm just merely setting the foundation for considering the idea that sometimes the way we've always done it, the way we've always seen it or perceived it, the way we've always thought about it, is not what's necessarily going to produce the best case scenario. See, we have blind spots. We all do and past experiences and circumstances that might make us feel like we've been counted out 
or that we've run out of gas. And we might have endured more than we bargained for in this journey called life. And, and maybe we just feel like our efforts aren't really panning out. We might even think that we've done too much to screw everything up. And we're at this crossroads trying to figure out what our step will be. What's going to be our next? Well, God's got a ton of grace for us, too. It's not the end. It's not too messed up. Your opportunity has not completely bypassed you. In fact, at this crossroads is where we can choose something new. Because this is the point where God shows up to remind us that he has a plan, that he's with us, and that those plans are going to work out according to his design. It's not always easy, this road of something new, but it definitely can be the adventure of your life. Jonathan and Marsha Cantrell remind us that when we reach the end of ourselves and open ourselves up to what God's design is, it will be a whole new world of something new. What was going on in my life before we met? That's weird because we met 10 years before we actually got together. So we met um, back in, now I'm not even going to remember. I think it was 2003 or two, 2002. We were um, literature, LEs, literature evangelists. And we spent the summer in Ohio for 10 weeks in Columbus, Ohio, canvassing all of Columbus, Ohio. So that's where we met. Um, We're actually on the same same campaign. And um, at the time, I kind of liked his roommate. So I wasn't really checking for Jonathan at the time. And, um, And so because I liked his roommate and he knew he didn't you know, say anything to me. So we really didn't talk much to each other during that time, although we were on the same campaign. It was just kind of like, you know, in passing, you know. So that's when we met. And then when I moved back to Huntsville um, 10 years later, you know, after I finished school and started my career, um, we ended up going to the same church. And I remember one Sabbath, he was parked on the side because we're at Stringfield. Um, first church and he was parked on on a side street and I was parked behind him or on the back somewhere we were parked you know and he was just like happy sabbath and I was like happy sabbath (laughs) you know but we knew each other from the campaign but we never really stopped to talk even then but we were like hey you know there you are but to me that was the first time that I've seen him since the campaign no 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 we did come across each other at alumni weekend one weekend with Shira and we took a picture. Mm-hmm. You have posted it recently. And I came across him at alumni weekend one time I was visiting and we all took a picture because all three of us was on a campaign together. But still, little did we know that we would end up being married. You know, right. we weren't even thinking about it then. We weren't thinking about it anytime we came back to each other and here we are. So yeah, that's how we met. <laughs> what was going on in my life and my world before meeting Marsha. So, you know, I was at a place, I was at a a pivotal point where I was trying to have that relationship with God um, and and, and knowing that I needed to grow in him spiritually and, and, and develop into the man and figure out what my purpose was. But at the same time, it was a struggle still being single and <clears throat> you know, at that point, I was pretty much tired of going to the clubs. 
I was pretty much at a state where I was kind of living two different lives. On Sabbath morning, I would quote scriptures to you, but Saturday evening, I was looking for the latest party or the latest activity. And so I was getting to a point where I was really like, what do you have for me, God? It was getting stressful, balancing. Um, you guys know it. Like <laughs> I ran with a, with a crew of guys and uh, every Sabbath, we were always invited to a potluck dinner. Um, and I mean, you know, all of us were talented. I played sax and some of the other guys did, did different things in the church and they just had to stand out. And so it was like, do I want to settle down or am I enjoying the single life? But the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to settle down because your single life is going to cause you to go to hell. <laughs> I mean, straight up. <laughs> and so um, I was getting to a point to where uh, I was trying to uh, trying to figure out what it I was trying to get to a point where I was trying to figure out what is it that I need to do and then how can I get in God's will? And so I was just really all over the place. But God was impressing on me like, yo, you're tired of this. You have to change your life. In other words, I was at the point where I was exhausted from the single life activities, right? From the wild lifestyle. I was exhausted from balancing and managing. And I was finally to the point where I was ready to hear from God and say, what is it that you really have for me? Because people will tell you to settle down. People will tell you to, you know, you know, hey, you shouldn't be doing all this or whatever. And I used to say, hey, don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> right? Don't, don't be mad at me. You just mad because you can't do what I do. And so that's where I was at just before meeting Marsha is I was at the point to finally say, okay, now my ears are open because up to that point, my ears were closed. I was having a great old time. Oh, it was fun. Single world, something new all the time. Oh, that's a good life. There's nothing better than that. Um, so that's where I was at. For me, before we got together, where I was, I was at a point in my life where I knew I wanted to settle down, but... I needed to wait on God and I was ready to just give it to God and uh, let it go. You know, I was at a point where I realized, you know, if someone's going to be with you, they um, will do what it takes to be with you. And so for the people that or persons that were in my life that claimed they wanted to be in my life were they really weren't showing that they wanted to be in my life in the way that I wanted. I needed to see it for what it was. And at that point, I got fed up with that kind of um, lifestyle and just said, you know what, God, this is what I want in man. And I, I used my prayer journal and I wrote down 88 things. I, you know, I listened to a lot of sermons and I said, it's a tell God what you want, you know? So I wrote down 88 things in my prayer journal, 88. I still remember to this day and I have it. And I said, this is what I wanted a man. You know, I talked about the man, his family, everything, you know, in that, in those 88 things. And I gave it to God and I said, God, it's me and you. And that from that point on, I um, decided that I was going to just live for God. And so I was at church like every week doing sound. And then I wanted to do young adult ministry. I wanted to go to egg and I was all in, 
And and then that's how it was. That's what my mindset was. So God started to just help me to see not only what these some of these dudes were really about, but he helped me to see who I really was in God. And once you know your worth, just I didn't even, you know, if they try to holler, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> I could see clearly, you know, you're not about anything, you know? And so God kept my eyes focused. And so it didn't matter where they were coming from. I was focused on my career. I was focused on just growing as a person and just setting myself up for if this is what I want in someone, what am I going to offer them when I meet that person? So that's all I was focused on at that point. And I had to get to that point. It wasn't something that I'd done all my life, but I had to decide this is what I want. I came from a single parent home. So I didn't see a husband and a wife growing up. So God had to kind of put that in me, that this is what you're asking for. What do you, what do you have to offer? And what are you going to do at this point to get yourself prepared? It started off for me, you know, again, just getting to that point where, you know, I was talking to the pastors. I'll never forget it. Uh, shout out Pastor Green. I actually was talking to him and I think I talked a little bit to Pastor Snell about it. And they were just like, bro, look, listen, man, you got to get to a place to where you just kind of settle down on that thing and just settle in um, and, and find find what's for you and find who's for you. Like straight up, bro. Um, I think, you know, Pastor said, like, it's better to marry than to burn. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that means for you, but you need to figure that out. Exactly what that looks like. And so, you know, I. It, I, I took that in and, and it just so happened that on that exact Sabbath and that exact on that exact day, um, I was contemplating that. I walked into the sanctuary um, from out of out, from in one of the back rooms and I sat down and I was just praying like, God, man, I, I really got to make this change. I believe I went down for altar call at the end of that day for uh, rebaptism. I was just at that point where I was ready for it. Um, and so as every service, Marsha, again, working in the sound room at this particular time, right before service kicks off is from uh, Sabbath school transitioning into divine service, divine worship. I see this, this, this young lady, Marsha, come from, <laughs> come from the sound room. And at the church, you, you remember, you have to walk straight down the middle of this long aisleway to get to the front of the sanctuary high heels, fishnets, stilettos, and a pencil dress. Holding the mics, all the mics. Holding the microphones. <laughs> Might have not been a pencil dress. It was just fitted. It fitted perfectly. I don't know what it was, right? But I'll never forget it. I was sitting on my right. She never looked at me. She looked straight ahead. I said something different about this woman because she doesn't see yours truly, Jonathan Cantrell, sitting here. Like, what's wrong with her? Do you not know what goes on in my single life? Like heads turn when I walk in a room. What is wrong with her? Why is she not turning her head? And right there and there, I said, God, if you give me her, I'm done. That's it. I said, she's that girl is gorgeous. She's fine from head to toe. She is. But who is that? Didn't see her. Marsha's the introvert. I'm the extrovert. She wasn't out and about. She was behind the scenes type of a woman. So I wasn't used to just seeing her. She wasn't the one kind of pulling on the, on the shoulder saying, hey, good job with that saxophone solo. That wasn't her. So I wasn't accustomed to her. And when I saw her and I said that to God, God said, okay, okay. 
And so I saw her, she turned around and as she put the, the, the microphones up on stage, I was like, for sure she's going to notice me walking out. And lo and behold, she didn't, looking straight ahead, not looking around or anything like that. I said, something, something right, I should have known then. <laughs> but she walked on out. And in that service, I can't remember the, the title of it, but it was about a, uh, it was, and my mind is, is slipping me here. But in that story, he was talking about a, a gentleman that was waiting at the, it was at the well. You may, you may recall that, um, that story, but the woman was at the well and, and the gentleman was waiting on her and said, I'll, I'll, I'll wait, whatever it takes, I'll wait as long as it need, as long as I need to wait for you. And uh, that stuck with me. And so at the end of service, there was obviously a potluck. Um, and so we went over to the, the church potluck and me and my homeboys, we rolled deep wherever we went. Um, potluck was where we normally went. And we was basically at a potluck to see who we could talk to and what could happen with whatever, right? And so Marsha happens to walk into this potluck. And I said, oh, no, no, no. And so immediately I tell my homeboys, because we all, wait, we all thought Marsha was fine. Everybody thought Marsha was fine. Like, bro, we can get with her. And so I said to them, because the male code is, if one person talks to the female, you can't talk to her. If you say, as, as the male code is, hey, I'm about to holler at her. Well, then he, he, he you know, that guy goes and holler at her. Nobody else. Otherwise, that's hating. And so when I saw her, I immediately yelled out because I knew my other guys would try to holler at her too. Yo, 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 that's me. I'm calling it early. That's me. So don't even, as y'all gearing up. And I said, and the reason I said it so quickly, I said it probably within 30 seconds of Marshall walking in the room because I knew they were already gearing up to go holler at her. I already knew that. And so I needed to, to claim it. And so basically that was my introduction. And I said to Marsha, do you remember the sermon? And the guy saying, when he was talking to a woman at the well, that I'll wait on you. And, then, and I started cracking some type of jokes like that with Marshall, like, yo, yo, yo. In my own creative, silly way, I don't remember the exact wording, but it was basically like, yo, bro, I, yo, I'll wait. Like, <laughs> what's good? Like, what do you need me to do? And we started cracking jokes of some sort. And it got to the point where she was like, I need my grass cut. Or I might have even proactively said, I'll cut your grass for you, whatever you need me to do. I don't know. <laughs> And it went from there and it, it was jokes after jokes. And I was telling her, no, I'm serious. And she gave me her number and that's where it started. <laughs> Is that right there? I didn't know about all of the, um, all the man code and all of that. I just now heard that, but um, he did tell me he would wait on me, but it wasn't, at that dinner it was um we did exchange numbers we played some game and then he did offer to cut my grass so i gave him my number so that part is true but he was texting me how's your day you know from time to time and uh, at the time i was i was kind of talking to somebody he didn't live here he lived out of state and so i was like i'm talking to somebody then he was still texting me and i was like um I said I would wait on, I mean, I said I would, I'm talking to somebody. So he finally said, you know, I told him what the deal was that I'm I'm seeing someone, but he doesn't live here. He said, you know what? I'll wait on you. <laughs> that's what he did. But he did. And that shocked me. That did work. You know what I mean? But it, at the time, it, you know, I was like, whatever. But um, that was in like around December, right before the holidays. And so in January, you know, I kind of was still talking to that person, but I realized that person wasn't serious. And then I was I was talking to a friend of mine about it, 
And then I said, you know what? There's this guy, you know, that said he would wait on me, you know? And I, you know, I went back and picked up that journal and looked at all of the items that I wrote in that journal and compared it to him and the guy that I was talking to. And I'm like, what am I doing, you know? And so, because the other person didn't, you know, there was, you know, he wasn't 78 minutes. That was a big one for me. And um, Jonathan was here in state. This person was out of state. You know, so there was a lot of red flags, you know, and I'm like, what am I doing, you know? And so I finally called him back and he was, he, in my mind, he still was waiting for me, you know, that's what he said. And he was right there, you know? So he ended up doing my grass and gardening for me, by the way. <laughs> But um, that's how we got started. You know, it was uh, it, it started off as a friendship, but we we were friends. We um, we were very involved in church activities, so we did a lot of group dates. You remember how kind of we we used to go out every Saturday um as a group and hang out, and that was our dates. We never went on any individual dates, and we did that for like three months. We did that, you know. So our first individual date, we met at Luke. St. Luke and we went to a Kim Burrell concert. So that was kind of fun, but we drove each other, you know, we drove our own cars and stuff. So I never really, I kind of took it slow. We took it slow. And I was grateful for that because I wasn't trying to jump into any relationship or anything like that. So it was very, very slow. I kind of remember um, a bus, a coach bus that left yeah. church and went to Memphis. And remember, um, that's when LeBron was playing for yeah. Miami and and they played the Grizzlies and the Grizzlies yeah. whooped them. Anyway, <laughs> Marsha, did I sit with you? Who did I, did I sit with you on that trip? I had no idea. You know, it was you, myself, Kim. I just looked at the picture the other day of all of us on that trip. Shari, all of us. Well, I know Jonathan was in the back of the bus. Yes. Now, I don't know where that was in the grand scheme of things, but. I didn't know he was at looking, checking for me then, but Kim knew because she told me after the fact. But I remember telling him about Sister Triplet doing this thing. And he's like, how come she didn't tell me? And he's a part of the recreation crew. And next thing you know, he was on the trip and it was past the due date. And I'm like, I don't know how he got on this trip, but he got on and then he was sitting in a whole nother seat, but I had no idea why, you know, I was oblivious. Like I said, once I made that prayer to God, I really stopped. I had no kind of game, street game, none of that stuff. So <laughs> I had no idea. I thought he just really wanted to go to the basketball game. <laughs> So Jonathan, you want to, you want to let us in on your, on, on, yeah, <laughs> how you made that, that happen? You know, I, you know, it, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, that's exactly what it is. You know, like I said, once it was just something about that thing. Um, when I saw Marsha walk down the aisle uh, at, at church doing, you know, you know, putting the microphones out and from then you know, I think I do remember seeing Marsha even several times before then. And, and again, she was always a topic for any of the, any guy, period, period. She was always a topic. And, you know, just when it all just kind of clicked for me, I was just like, yo, it's, it's game on. And so I saw that as opportunity, that trip. Yes, LeBron, I want to see LeBron, but I wanted to see Marsha more than LeBron. And that was anything that I can do to get more connected. The vision for that trip was for me to eventually sit next to her and talk and we begin to build. But again, 
she wasn't paying no attention. It was just like her walking down the aisle, putting those microphones down. And I'm and I'm talking to Mike Francis about it. And uh, and I'm just like, man, I can't figure this thing out. What is wrong with this chick? Like, she, she, does she not see? I'm here. I am again. Like, and she's just sitting there. And 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 I think you sat there next to her for a little bit. And I'm hoping that the seat would open up so I could find my way to my approach. But I'm actually praying. I'm actually as we're as we're driving down. I'm actually watching her. She has no idea. I'm watching her and praying like, man, Lord, yo, this is hard. I can't get her to vibe. I can't vibe with her like, like I want to vibe. Like, what, what is it? But it just, I got more and more focus. It helped me to just kind of lock in. And so, yeah, I think somehow on that trip, there was maybe some, I, I had an opportunity. I don't remember. I think I had an opportunity to say something like, yo, you know, I'm on this trip. I was trying to, I was trying to talk to you or sit next to you. And I think she said, and I maybe I don't know that. I don't know. <laughs> but I think she was kind of like, oh, well, why didn't you say something? You know, why, why, why didn't you come sit down and say hi or something like that? And I was like, oh, yes, that's all I need. She gave, you know, that, that's a sign of interest, you know. And so that just fueled me for the next opportunity. But that that that's kind of how that, that trip was, was that she was on there. And I wanted to use that as an opportunity to get to know her better. How did you know that this was the person that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with? It was just God. I mean... It had it had to be um, just how everything transpired for me um, was just the the way we courted. You know, we did it differently. We were friends for first, and then you know we didn't even really hold hands when we first held hands. <laughs> Three months. Three months in. But we felt something just by touching. You know what I'm saying? It was just the way it transpired um, that we knew that it was God bringing us together. And, you know, even with that, it wasn't like love at first sight. Oh, you know, but it was just because we're like he said, we're opposites. You know, he was an extrovert and I was an introvert. There was times when he looked at me he's like, I don't know God. And I'm looking at him, you know, and I'm just like, you know, he's just so. But God knew what he was doing you know, bringing us together because we kind of balance each other out, you know. Once we made that connection and we saw, there was just nothing else out there for me, you know. I knew he was the one for me. I knew God had had orchestrated this just for me because had I have seen him again after we canvassed together while he was playing the field, I would not have gotten with this man, but I did not see him. We went to the same college and I did not see him again until we got to church when he was ready for me. You know what I mean? It was like an introduction and then we separated and then we came back together at the right time because any other time it would have not have transpired. This would not have been a connection. And so God knew I wasn't ready for him. He wasn't ready for me. You know, I would have been another random or something and, and we just, it just wouldn't have worked out. So I just knew with everything, looking at the big picture that um, when we put, when I put it in his hands, in God's hands, I went, I went by his method of doing it. And I went by his, um, I want to say his story. This is how I'm writing it. You know, it's not what you think, not a fairy tale. This is how it's going to go. 
and nothing more, nothing less. It, you know, it's not going to be a fairy tale. Well, oh, he just sent me flowers. No, it's not about that. It's just about how God said, you know, he's looking at it for your growth and your, you know, whatever, whatever he has planted in us, whatever's coming out, our children, you know, our, our legacy, or just what Jonathan always tells me, we're going to glory. He's going to make sure I get to glory. Whatever it is, God had that design. And so I knew it not based on my own premonition or feelings, but based on what God's design was. And the more we connected and the more we spent time with each other, the more we fell in love and the more we saw what God was doing. And we look at it now. We look at our, our life now and we look at just, you know, the things that we've overcome as a married couple. Um, and we see how much we are just made for each other. We're always saying, man, I'm just so glad that God put you with me. That's how I know that you were meant for me. That Marsha, that's how I know. Or Jonathan, I know you're meant for me because, you know, and we do this all the time, you know, because it's just like amazing because we never would have, I mean, we met each other and never thought this would have been my husband. I said, what if we'd have known that we were going to get married back way back in 2002? What would we have done then? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. For me, I, I'm going to piggyback off of Marshall off that first thing. What I've learned in my life is this. God will me mess you up so much in terms of what you're doing, your approaches, what you think you have in the bag or, 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 or where you think you're in full control. He'll shut all that down so that when he does whatever it is, you'll know that it's only him. And so for me being single, it was always Jonathan. I knew the type of young lady I wanted to talk to. I knew where the relationship was going. I knew what to say, what not to say. I knew the chemistry. I knew how it would vibe and how it would connect. That didn't happen with Marsha. That was step number one to let me know that this was a woman for me. It was completely opposite. There was no me playing saxophone and a girl like, oh my goodness, you can play. There was me no on the basketball court. And oh my goodness, look at him. We didn't have that. Me on a dance floor in a club. Oh man, he dresses nice and he can dance. Yeah, right. The, 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 the ahas that you would normally get didn't work for Marsha. It didn't work. We didn't have that. There was no candlelight. There was no moon to shine or what have you. God was simply saying, I'm shutting all that down because I don't want you to think that it's you. I need you to know that it's only me because everything that you're trying to do or how you think it should go, it's not working. Like from externally actions and internally, it's just not going to happen. And so I knew that 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 being the base. But then I said, God, that's not enough. Like, why? That's not enough to say that she's for me. He said, OK, now watch this, then. I'm going to put something special on you. I am going to have you have a undescribable love for her that you can't even explain or put into words. Marsha to this day will ask me, why do I love? Sometimes I'll tell her, I can't explain. I can show you, but I cannot actually give you a definition or a word for the love that I had for her. And how I knew it was God was this, being transparent. When we don't agree, when we didn't agree, we know that women need love and men need respect. When I felt disrespected by her, <laughs> totally disrespected, I still didn't go anywhere. There had been times that Marsha would just know sure that if we're on a date somewhere and we're out to eat, 
she would know sure that, yeah, that's probably the last time I'm going to hear from him. Wouldn't go. And I would even ask myself, like, this woman is crazy. What am I doing here? But I could not, even at times when I would try to say I'm done, it, it just wouldn't happen to a way to where I couldn't describe, I still to this day can't describe to you why I didn't just pack up and just be out, right? But that was another stepping stone that God is saying, no, 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 sir, this is not, uh -uh. this is not how this works. This is what I have designed for you. And step three, it will come full circle and it'll make perfect sense for you. So, 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 so as time kept going, what was happening developed step three. Step three was the hard work that I was putting in made the benefits even more fruitful, right? That's like, that's like people that are studying hard for a test or you've been in school trying, and you know this, getting your PhD, all the work that you put in to get the PhD. <laughs> and when you finally get it, when you finally get that diploma, it all makes sense. But none of that made sense until you actually got that, that diploma. It's like, oh, now it makes sense, right? And so that, that step number three was that seeing the success signs, seeing, 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 seeing the, the work that was put in and seeing the fruit of the labor, if that makes sense. The work that was put in helped me to stay focused and, 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 and lock into Marsha. Because in my mind, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm investing this amount of time, I'm putting this time in for her. Anything else that I might have going on, I need to go ahead and end that because it ain't worth it. So really what God was helping me do was he was helping me learn how to prioritize and make what's most important, which is Marsha, a priority. And he was helping to break some of the cycles of being a player, <laughs> running the streets. He was killing all of that because I was putting so much and investing so much time in, in, in with Marsha. So when we had the first hug, when we had the first kiss, when we had the first aha moments looking in each other's eyes, it was so refreshing. It was 10 times the amount of refreshing because of what I had already been through getting to the stage to where I could really just receive her and appreciate her and love her even more. So I think that 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 I had a few steps that I had to go through. Um, but with going through those steps was a true true definition um, of my love for her and knowing that this is the woman that I want to spend the rest of my life with, for sure, without question. How's marriage going? Marriage is great. I feel like, I feel like um, it's exciting. I know when we first got married, you know, we got married in August. And then we were so excited to just, you know, kind of make it official. And then we had our wedding in October. And then we went on our honeymoon. We were just like, now we're married, you know, and then like probably shortly after that, we found out, you know, we're pregnant. <laughs> so it kind of, you know, I, we didn't get that opportunity to be married for a while before we started off with kids. So marriage, when we think of marriage, we think of it also as family, because we started a family early in our marriage. And so I would say for me, I'm grateful to have a partner to do this life with. It's made all the difference. I, there were some things um, just as a person that, you know, you know, when you, you become 
career-minded and you've reached your goals and you think, oh, I've done this and I've got it. Well, when you get married, you realize there's some more growing that you have to do. So marriage has helped with my growth. It's helped me not only that, but it's helped me to see my worth and to value myself more because I have a husband that affirms me. Um, it also helps me to make decisions. It helps me uh, in our relationship, you know, it's helped us financially because he's taught me how to save. Um, he's taught me um, how to communicate. That was big for us. You know, a lot of people struggle with communication in the first year of marriage. You know, you're coming together. We struggled with it before we got married, but we 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 faced it head on so much so that when we got into our first year of marriage, we were able to focus on the kids and having a, a family. We've sat in on dates in restaurants and wrote on, on paper how we were going to try to communicate better. I mean, we really focused on fixing. And I understand, I don't to this day, like you said, I don't understand why didn't we just call it quits, you know, but we kept on trying to figure it out before we even got married, you know, <laughs> so that some of those things that we hashed out then we didn't have to deal with again. Because when you have kids, that stuff doesn't even matter anymore, you know? So I would just say that marriage is a constant growing um, part of life. We're always growing. We're changing. Every year we're changing. We we have new goals, new priorities every year. We're at a different stage. Our kids are growing. And so it's always changing. But I, I can say that for us, marriage is going well. Um, it is a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work. A lot of compromise, a lot of uh, vulnerability, um, but it's also fun. It's also, you have a friend. I always have a friend. <laughs> I always have someone in my corner. And, and that part took a while to learn. He's my teammate. He's for me. He's not trying to to say anything that would hurt me. He's here for me. And so the once, once I realized that you have this person in your corner, so you can, you can open up, you know? So it's, 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 it's like having a best friend amongst other things. So, yeah. Make sure I get this recording when this is over. So <laughs> on a rainy day, we can go, I can play it back for her. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, wh where is it now? Yeah. You know, Marsha is 100 spot on, 100% spot on with that. It is work. Um, marriage is a university you'll never graduate from. Um, it is the most challenging thing that you will ever do, but the most rewarding. If faithful, if relentless, if dedicated, if locked in, but most importantly, if you have that true ideal, that 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 true whatever that looks like for you, relationship with God. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. Relationship with God is, is 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 very important, and I would say uh, accountability team, accountability brothers. I have I have brothers that pray for me. I have brothers that I can talk to when 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 me and Marsha are not saying eye to eye, because you got to think about something. You're taking two different people and you're mixing them, two different personalities, and you're mixing them. You're taking a woman and you're taking a man. 
<laughs> it's a lot of combinations. And I'm just grateful even for that because there are times that I have to walk out the house and go vent, especially being with my personality, personality high energy, uh, where arguing and yelling is normal talking for me, right? And now that has to be changed up because that's not going to work for my wife. That's not going to work for Marcia. It's just not happening. <laughs> I can love her all I want and she can know it, but yelling and hollering is going to shut her down. Whereas I'm just like transparent, like you not, you're not listening da, 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 and I'm ready to go in. And so it is, it is very, very challenging at times to spiritually because the enemy will play tricks on you. The enemy will convince you and make you think that this isn't going anywhere. Um, that y'all can't get past whatever it is that you're dealing with. And it can be very difficult and very challenging. Um, and so again, it is a lot of that constant battle, constant uh, time on your knees in, in, in communion with God. It's everyday resetting with God over your marriage. Every single day, you got to reset. Asking God to fill you and your wife and your family with his spirit and with knowledge and giving you words, and, I, and 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 God has really just stepped up. He stepped up huge, huge for us. There is times we've learned even with our love languages, how things have adjusted. Mine has changed. Marsha was able to identify some things that I've been doing and really identify that that was her love language, right? There's been things that she said to me over the year that I've been been praying about for, for since we've been married, that she said, hey, I want to change in this and that and do things a little bit differently here. I'm like, oh my there is a God, you know, and there has been things that Marshall would tell me, hey, honey, I need you to kind of adjust fire here. Like you got to you got to kind of try to do a little bit better job. And then being patient enough that when I don't come through on it, that she doesn't buy it. You failed. I told you you need to do this in order for me to operate properly. You, you know, <laughs> and so when you take all of these things and put them together, then it brings, again, just the benefits and the fruits, I think, of of that of that labor, of that hard work. And we then now look at it and we just smile and we thank God for the hard times. We thank him for the hard times. We thank him for the good times. We thank him for his blessings and, and his faithfulness and keeping us connected because marriage is real. When you hear people getting divorced or they're separating, that's not a, a wild, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that that happened. No, it's real. Like, like we've all been there like, we, we don't say divorce. That's that's not an option for us, but it doesn't blow my mind. Like, <laughs> and it's not saying that Jonathan's a bad person or Marshall's a bad person, but it's simply saying that marriage is hard. It's very hard, but it is so rewarding. And the, the, the pros of Marsha for sure outweigh the cons. And you know what? I wouldn't even say cons, Jen, the differences. I wouldn't say cons because it's not, it's just different. She's different. I'm different. I don't think they're cons, but God has worked with us to be able to build our union, but we've been able to build through him, to be able to understand each other better, to be able to navigate better. Um, even talking on this, there would be things that if it was just me and you, I would probably say, but because I have a wife <laughs> and I remember what my wife says to me, I try to make sure that I filter and say things in alignment that would make my wife very happy and proud of me. <laughs> so it, again, it's just about making the adjustments, but I think that uh, at the end of the day, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change anything up. I'm very happy that I'm married to the great Marsha. And, and we're working on year more. seven, by the way. We're, we're working on year seven. Year seven. Ooh. 
Yeah. Right. Once you can get over year seven, you're good. That's so it. We're in year seven right now. So we'll hit seven years August. Yeah. I told her I'm going to take her to year 15 and then I'm done. I'm tapping out at year 15. I'm moving on. <laughs> I cannot. No, I'm not going to do that. That's just, a, that's just a joke. That's just a joke. <laughs> I think my favorite thing uh, in our marriage is that I always have my best friend is always right here with me. Marsha is my best friend. That's, she's always in my corner. She believes in me. I'm her king. So no matter what I'm dealing with, no matter what somebody else says, when I feel like I may have let you know, somebody down or that didn't go well at work or whatever it is, or I feel like my friends may be upset with me about something, whatever the case is, I know that, that no matter what, my best friend is right here by my side. Like you hear stories of people say, hey, we're going to move to Idaho. And you're like, what are you going to do in Idaho? Well, it doesn't matter. As long as I got my wife, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll get a log cabin over the water and we're good. I really understand what that means. And I think for Jonathan, that is the best thing. It's, no matter what, she's right there. If I call, she's there. If we need to talk, she's there. If I need to cry, she's there. If I'm happy, she's there. If I'm sad, Whatever the case is, she's there to support me and to love me. And I think that for sure has to be the highlight of my of, of, of marriage for me. My favorite part of marriage is that this man right here thinks I'm his all. He will go to the ends of the earth for me. And he never stops to let me know that. And he shows me every single day. And the fact that the, that he loves me so much is just so amazing to me. Um, I think that's my favorite part. I'm so looking forward to sharing more stories with you, to connect with you, challenge you, and energize you. Stories create environments where we can learn valuable insights from each other's experiences. They represent our collective pain, joy, fear, faith, best days and worst days. They unite us, teach us, challenge us, delight us, and enable us to convey messages of hope in a complicated world. There's something to learn from someone else's story. They are countless lessons of faith, hope, and love. So why not take some time to consider your own story, then join us again for another story worth living.